Hello and welcome to Design Break Podcast, a podcasting experience designed to help you break into the creative world, grow your career, and push your potential as a creative professional. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, and I'm here to help you accomplish all of that. So let's get started. Hello, podcast family. Hope you guys are having a great day. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, and today's episode of Design Break Podcast, if you are a freelancer or design professional aiming to up your game, today's episode is tailor-made for you. We're diving deep into the complex and crucial world of client relationships. In a field that's getting more and more competitive by the day, it's no longer enough to just be another freelancer on the block. You've got to aim to be a true partner to your clients. Now, before we jump into today's uh, episode, I just want to, you know, touch on a little hot topic uh, that I kind of like just experienced not 30 minutes to an hour before this call that kind of delves into client partnerships. Uh, so we have a client that we're currently working with, new client, and uh, we went through one round uh, with them. Everything was great. Feedback was terrific. Uh, second uh, round of uh, exploration that we shared with them, things started to deviate. Uh, unfortunately, there was uh, miscommunication, inconsistencies in feedback and things like that. And it really kind of like set the tone for possibly a negative call with the client. Um, but after discussing with them, after like, you know, being an active listener, uh, after talking to through some of the pain points on our side and on their side, honestly, we turned the call around and we ended up, I feel like strengthening our partnership. And so sometimes as freelancers, we have to be able to pivot with our clients. You know, sometimes we have stakeholders that we talk to uh, that, you know, may have other stakeholders ahead of them or who, you know, make it cold feet on new directions that we are going, whether it's illustration, design, web design, whatever it is. And so we have to be able to pivot. We have to be able to, you know, go a different route. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we manage expectations and manage the way that uh, we interact with our clients. So just something like I want to talk about briefly before we jumped in that, you know, today's episode, you know, we're talking about client partnerships. And that's kind of what uh, I was working on today with one of our current uh, clients. I was reiterating to them that, you know, we're their client, we're not, we're their partner you know, in this, we're in the trenches with them and everything. And so it's very important that, you know, we make that clear, you know, that we're not just going to fire them, you know, if things turn bad, or we're not going to check out or give them mediocre, you know, products or anything like that. We want them to feel like, you know, we understand their needs and we do understand their needs. We understand what they're going through and that it's not something that's necessarily unique to them, but something that a lot of startups uh, tend to experience or sometimes are pain points that all uh, experience. So just something to keep in mind there. Um, and also before we jump in, you know, let's actually give a shout out to this week's uh, listener of the week. I can't remember. I think we may have already given him a shout out. So I do apologize if we have. Of course, I don't think that he will be upset about it. But this week's uh, listener of the week uh, is this week's listener of the week. Jeez, listen to me. <laughs> is Cam Hoff at K at C-A-M-H-O-F-F on Twitter. Thank you so much, Cam, uh, for uh, sharing a lot of the stuff that we have been putting out as well as interacting with tweets. Uh, and I believe Cam has even left a podcast review. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Cam. And if you would like to be a listener of the week, all you have to do is interact with us on Twitter 
liking our posts, retweeting, responding uh, to posts and everything, letting us know like what you liked about this week's episode, what you uh, didn't like about this week's episode. We, we love all feedback, whether it's positive or negative, because it helps us grow and get better as a podcast as well as you should as, uh, as a freelancer is you should always be looking for growth, even if it's negative uh, feedback. All right, without further ado, let's jump back into the today's topic. You know, so we're not just talking about buzzwords here. You know, being a partner means a seismic shift in how you approach your work, your clients, and even how you think about yourself as a freelancer or creative professional in general. It's about transitioning from a mere order taker to a problem solver, a trusting consultant who brings unparalleled value to the client's business. And this is whether it's for uh, a SaaS client, a tech client, whether it's for B2B or B2C or D2C, a lot of big abbreviations there. So I do apologize. Hopefully you guys uh, know what those are. And if you don't, definitely go look them up. Maybe we should do an episode on definitions for stuff like that. Um, but you know, no matter what, the philosophy holds universally true. So in today's episode, we're going to guide you through this mindset shift that can catapult you from being just another freelancer to being an invaluable asset for your clients. You know, we'll discuss the core principles that underpin a fruitful partnership like transparency, mutual respect, and shared goals. And trust me, this is not just theory. You know, this is exactly what I practice. In fact, I practice it today, like I said in the hot topic. You know, we're going to share actionable steps that you can implement right away to strengthen your client relationships you know, strategies around onboarding, regular check-ins, and even what to do once the project wraps up to ensure a lasting relationship. So as we, you know, delve into this, you know, we'll also touch on how to strategically brand, you know, and position yourself in the market. You know, you ever wondered, you know, how some freelancers seem to effortlessly attract uh, new clients? It's no accident. You know, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of focus on not just being a freelancer, but being a client partner. So keep your notepads ready or open up a note-taking app, you know, because you're going to want to capture all of this. So let's kind of like talk about this first part, right? The mindset shift. This is very, very important, you know, from going from order taker to problem solver. This is very important, not just for freelancers, but also for designers in general. It's what, you know, separates people who make uh, five figures in design to making six figures in design. It's very, very important. Once you make that shift from being, you know, an order taker to actually being able to solve problems for your clients and for the companies you work for, it changes the game completely. So with the order taker mindset, you know, many freelancers start a project by asking the client, you know, what they want, and then they proceed to execute upon that request. You know, they focus on going from A to B. That's their whole point, you know. And so while that fulfills the short-term need of the client, it limits your ability to provide value in the long run, right? This leads very easily to one-off engagements with clients. So you end up working with a single client and you stay with that client for one project and then you move on or they move on in particularly. They go from one freelancer to another and they're just looking for someone that can just, you know, take orders and just do whatever it is that they need. As opposed to a problem solver mindset, instead of merely fulfilling tasks, you take time to understand the client's underlying business, challenges and goals 
And then you use your design expertise to propose solutions that may not even have been on the client's radar to begin with. And so this is a good example of one of my uh, long-term clients. In fact, uh, today I'm going to be signing a new contract with them. Uh, we've been working together for almost a year. I'll be a year in December, if I'm not mistaken. And with them, they originally brought me on to uh, be a kind of fractional creative director and to create some new designs for their homepage. Uh, from there, I was able to kind of point out some issues that they had, point out some uh, major inconsistencies with their brand. And then they, you know, signed a contract for six months where we, or excuse me, three months initially, where we started working on creating a design system for their marketing and brand teams. From there, you know, we've signed, this will be the third contract uh, since we've worked together. And so it's amazing to see like what, you know, being a problem solver, because they had never even thought about having a design system for their actual uh, marketing and brand team. They only looked at that as something for product design, maybe web uh, and things of that nature. And so by showing them that, you know, how I've used design systems with other brand and marketing teams, I was able to show them like, this is a, so this is actually a real world problem. This is um, a solution that I have done in the past for other clients and something that could work for them. And that was kind of like the gateway. We ended up not starting on that project until probably six months into actually working with them. In fact, it was the I think second contract where we actually started working on that. But since then, you know, I've become a very integral part in helping them uh, find solutions to their problems, but also pointing out problems that they didn't know they had to begin with. Now that's not saying that I'm creating problems for them. I'm pointing out things that they may not have had on their radar otherwise. And so it's very, very important. So basically moving from this like task oriented uh, mindset to a problem solving mindset elevates the relationship. So they don't just look at me as another freelancer, as another uh, designer, right? They actually have other uh, partners that they work with specifically for churning out designs, being kind of like production designers. And instead, what they look at uh, me for is they look at someone who can, number one, uh, find and solve problems for them. And number two, can also set the stage for those other uh, freelancers, other contractors that they work with to kind of solve their problems. So by figuring out, okay, this is how we're going to uh, accomplish this. This is how we're going to accomplish that. This is what you don't do. So like basically being the rule maker uh, for their brand. And so by doing that, by, you know, being that problem solver, I've elevated myself within their, uh, their psyche for their um, consultancies. And it's really helped out in the long run. You know, you really have to invest in understanding, you know, their business. You know, that's something else too, is I generally take now whenever I sign a new contract or sign a new long-term uh, project with a client, I take at least a few days to kind of dive deep into who they are, what they do. You know, I have them fill out a very long uh, brand questionnaire uh, and then I delve in and ask questions. You know, I delve in and ask any types of questions that may be relevant. Um, that they, you know, about their industry, about their challenges, their objectives, um, so that I can be more valuable to them, so that I can provide them with value that's not just about this initial engagement or this initial uh, problem that they want me to solve for them. And so 
you know, many times, like I will even flat out ask them, you know, what are some of your biggest pain points that you're currently having? It's not about, you know, okay, what does this uh, specific, uh, what's a specific problem that you're having me work on, but what are some problems you might have uh, to begin with? And one client actually went and listed out, okay, so these are the main pain points that I have. Some clients will, will answer in detail, some won't. But one client in particular, they actually outlined, okay, these are the top three things that I'm currently having issues with. Number one, it's taking so long for us to churn out new campaigns for our marketing side. Uh, number two, uh, a lot of stuff that we're, that we're putting out there is inconsistent. It's not designed the same or doesn't feel cohesive with our brand. And so those two things instantly tell me, okay, they don't have something like a design system set up. They don't have... Uh, rules or maybe even a brand guidelines that's up to date that they stick to or that they share with their contractors or their internal design team. And so I'm able to see, okay, there's two possible solutions uh, right there for those two main pain points. Uh, one is a design system, which is very lengthy. It can take a long time, but once implemented, it can save, you know, sometimes up to 50%, if not more of the time to create assets means that they'll be able to work so much quicker and probably have less uh, need for as many freelancers. Um, and, or number two is a simple brand guidelines or brand toolkit that can kind of lend to the consistency or at least the rules in which they're looking for. So I'm able to like point those things out or figure those things out just from that branding questionnaire. So here are some like core principles for being a partner for your clients. The, the first one is transparency. You know, the importance of being honest and open in your communication with your client. It's very like, it, it's spectacularly important. It's, you know, I'm trying to think of the right adjectives uh, for this, but it's very important um, to be transparent, you know, and to be transparent, not only about your process, but in the way that you communicate, in the way that you're thinking. Um, for instance, that example that I had in the hot topic, right? I was very open with the client. I let them know, like, you know, it's kind of disappointing, you know, to hear this, the inconsistency in, you know, from the first round to the second round's feedback. And I told them, you know, I'm not, you know, frustrated. You know, I'm not at that point. I'm not frustrated with the feedback but I am disappointed in the fact that there is inconsistencies. And so I was very honest with them. I was very transparent and I was able to take that and then spin it to figure out, okay, you know, but based on what you said, I think this is the, the best path forward for this. And we were able to figure this thing out together, but I was very transparent in the way that I, I felt. Um, and the really great thing about this client was that they actually went so far as to apologize, which is great. It's a great thing to see that. And they even took some responsibility for the issue at hand. And that is actually very rare. For those of you who've been working with uh, as a freelancer, for a client to take responsibility for a major uh, blunder, um, or it's not even really a major blunder, but any blunder period is kind of rare. And so, you know, that was a very major uh, stepping stone in the right direction with them. We're not, we're not in a long-term uh, project or long-term engagement with them. Uh, but I think it might come because of this like strengthening moment for us. And this then kind of like leads into the next principle, the second principle, which is mutual respect. And so what that conversation did was the client was able to respect me, the freelancer, the studio owner, in that, you know, I was very fair and open with my thoughts and feedback to them. 
But then also at the same time, it showed mutual respect from their side of things that they took responsibility for certain uh, errors and everything. So that was a major part. You want that mutual respect. It is not one-sided. You know, if the client doesn't respect you, then you're not going to have a strong partnership with your client. But at the same time, if you don't respect the client, there is no partnership. You know, there's no hope because if you're going to like talk down about them or berate them, or if they talk down and berate you, it's not going to work. There's no respect in there. So there has to be a bit of mutual respect. And then the final, the final part of this, you know, the, the third core principle is shared goals. So emphasizing, you know, how alignment on objectives can like really strengthen the uh, partnership, you know, so for instance, uh, with another client that we had a few months ago, they were in the middle of a major uh, brand launch. And the biggest thing that we understood and they understood was like we had a short timeline to get all of the stuff done. Uh, we were working on their web and we were working on illustrations for the web. And so the biggest issue that was coming about was there was kind of similar to what's happening now with this other client is there were additional stakeholders that were added. Um, and so they weren't part of the process at the beginning. And so we had to basically play catch up and we had to go through and make a lot of revisions, uh, and changes, but both parties, both us and the client understood, like we had specific goals and deadlines for this project. Um, at the time, I think it was like three weeks out from the launch and we were really running thin on how much time we could, uh, or we could uh, take in order to implement all these changes. So we were able to figure out a way of working around that. And sometimes it's either adding more time or adding more budget. In that particular instance, we were able to add more time. In another world, it would probably be adding more budget. And some clients, if they understand you know, that you, know, you have shared goals, you want to make sure that you get the best quality work out there for them, they are happy to, to add time or to add budget. And a lot of times it's going to actually be the latter. It's going to be adding budget, which means more money in your pocket at the end. It still means they're going to take more time from you, but ultimately that can sometimes lead to a very, very great partnership with them because you've been through the trenches with him. You've experienced all that with them. And so that really kind of lends us like uh, camaraderie uh, with the client as well. So now let's kind of talk about some like tangible steps to becoming a partner. So these are some, some like very like rough things that you can do to kind of like show that you're a partner with, a, with the client, show that you're, you know, wanting to be collaborative or you're wanting to really understand uh, them. So the first part is, you know, strategic onboarding. Use an onboarding process to kind of set the stage for a collaborative partnership. So explaining to them the whole step of the way, the whole process for the engagement, um, sharing with them like how you're going to be communicating, how often you're going to be communicating, um, you know, asking them if they have any questions or if they have any suggestions to how the process should be. So not just like dictating to them the process, but allowing them to interject or to add any additional uh, pieces to it or add any additional uh, pieces to the process, like having weekly check-ins if that's needed. Of course, I hate check-ins. I hate meetings, period. But I will jump on a call if I need to, uh, especially to keep uh, the, my partner happy. So, and that kind of goes into the next thing, which is regular check-ins. So, you know, have a, a specific like setup for periodic meetings, you know, 
for instance, uh, right now, what we do is generally we will uh, share our work or deliverables on a specific day. Usually it's like a Thursday or Friday. And then we give the client anywhere between one day to the weekend to kind of give us any and all feedback that they have jumping back in on Monday to make any edits or make any updates uh, based on their feedback. And so, uh, you know, making sure to stick to that schedule is very important. Now, there are things that happen to where you can't stick to that schedule and the clients understand that life happens. Um, so it's okay if like you have to, you know, push things out a day or so, but let the client know ahead of time. You know, if something happens where you're sick, let the client know like, Hey, just want to give you a heads up. Uh, I'm kind of feeling under the weather today. I'm going to work through the rest of the day. Uh, but there is a good possibility I might have to take tomorrow off and I might have to push out my deadline a little bit, you know, and offer to them, you know, things like, you know, but you know what, I'll make sure I can work, uh, you know, some time over the weekend and I'll get that to you as soon as possible. Offering concessions for things like that is very, very important. But the last part of this, one of the biggest steps that can really show that you're a partner with them versus just being a freelancer is going beyond the brief. You know, by offering to your client, you know, proactive suggestions on uh, certain pieces of design that you have experience with can really kind of de uh, demonstrate your investment in the client's success. So like offering to the client basically Here's uh, a couple of thoughts that, that we actually had on this illustration or offering to the client like, hey, I noticed that you guys um, were doing this and this and this to the website. What if you did this instead? Maybe this might help to simplify things. Um, the client partner that I mentioned earlier that we've now been working with for almost a year, uh, we do this all the time where we, uh, we will sometimes be asked to kind of be a creative director uh, for them where we'll review web pages, We'll review um, explorations that their uh, external and internal team have done and kind of give them thoughts and feedback. And, you know, I'm sometimes in those meetings with high level stakeholders, people who are in charge of uh, brand marketing, demand gen, um, sometimes even C-suite people like head of marketing. And the number one thing is, is I am not afraid to offer uh, suggestions to them. Um, now, and I always tell them, take it with a grain of salt. You know, this might not be the right thing, but here's a suggestion that may work. And so even in those instances, even if they don't uh, decide to go that route or listen to that feedback, I'm still providing them potential value. And that speaks volumes. All right. So then with all that being said, with talking about, you know, how to become a partner um, and then uh, some tangible steps in order to become a partner. Let's actually talk quickly about client retention. So this is something that's also very important because if you become a client partner at the beginning, but you guys don't work together, if you don't continue to work together beyond that first engagement, what is it for, right? You want a client that is with you for a long time, months, if not years, shoot, let's go for even decades, right? And so being proactive versus being reactive is very important. So by anticipating your client's needs or problems that might arise can be very invaluable. Uh, one instance that is, I think, very important, this goes for uh, any illustrators or uh, web designers, product designers, is watching out for design debt. Um, this is something I need to do a full episode on, on, on what exactly is design debt and how to combat it. Um, but design debt is probably one of the biggest crippling 
things when it comes to design for startups. And what it basically is, is any little thing that you put off. So let's say, um, let's say you don't fix uh, your type styles for your, uh, for a specific web page or the full website um, that you're designing for the client. Let's say you say, you know what, this is good enough for now. We'll come back and we'll update, you know, the text later on. Then what happens is over time, that same style that you're going to go and update later on becomes so ingrained within your designs, within the fabric of the brand itself, that you're, that by the time you go to fix it, you now have this mountain, this mountain of design debt that you have to go through and fix across, let's say 50 web pages. I've been there. I've experienced it. I've had to clean up those mistakes from other people. It can be very, very detrimental, especially if you're a startup where, you know, it's not just one thing, you know, it's more like 50 to a hundred different types of design debt that you have to then go and find and fix. And it is something that is very, very important to catch early on where when you're talking to a client, you're like, what's, what's this little thing right here? And they said, Oh, it's something that we, you know, talked about changing later on. It's good for now. You know, just notating, note taking that. And making sure to, you know, remember, here's a little piece of design that they might want to, to fix and offering that to the client, you know, you know, saying something like, by the way, uh, I know on the call last week, you know, we were kind of going over, you know, the homepage and I noticed this one little uh, thing that was kind of off. And I want to make sure that it doesn't turn into a bigger issue later on. I think it's something that we should tackle. If you like, I can go ahead and tackle it for you and do this. That adds a little bit of value, actually a lot of value when you look at the grand scheme of things. And clients sometimes will be very receptive of that. They'll be very happy that you even uh, offered or that you even caught that because they're going to forget all about it. And then the other thing, too, is the aftercare. Um, This is a big part of client retention. Once a project is done, the partnership has not ended. It doesn't end. Offering tips and valuable information to the client over time is very important. I try and have regular check-ins with my clients every anywhere between a month to every three months, depending on who they are, depending on their needs and things like that. And so I regularly will check in with them, not just like, like, not just with things like, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, Is there anything that you need help with? I'll check in with them and be like, Hey, I just saw that you guys uh, accepted an award from, so-and-so magazine that is so awesome. I'm so happy for you. Um, Or saying like, I remember you had a pain point a while back that was you couldn't figure out uh, how to fix X, right? And so uh, by providing with them maybe a couple articles on that specific pain point or solution, you know, for free is sometimes like very important and can really go a long way. Then, you know, next thing you know, they're emailing you like, oh, hey, by the way, I just uh, was talking to our marketing uh, manager and we actually could use some help on this, this and that. And now you have work with that client. Uh, Or even they might be like, you know what? I miss working with you. You know, I would love for us to continue our relationship. How about we sign a retainer? So very important. You know, client retention is probably one of the things that a lot of freelancers out there neglect or don't even think about uh, altogether. So it's very important that you do so. Um, And then the last little thing that we're talking about in today's episode, you know, is positioning and branding. So 
this is something too that some a lot of freelancers, a lot of designers out there, you think about when you need to, like in the moments where you have no client work or uh, you find yourself without a job or you're getting back into freelancing, and all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, I don't have uh, case studies, I don't have stuff on my website. What am I going to do? So it's very important that you're constantly setting aside pieces for your portfolio, slowly like creating case studies over time. One thing that I've uh, been working on is something I need to finish actually, is I've been working on a template um, for case studies uh, in Notion. And so what I've done is I've set up a template where I have everything listed out. I have uh, a testimonial section where the client, I get a testimonial from the client. I have key results um, that we uh, achieved with the client. So by following up with them, remember, follow up aftercare, following up with them and asking them, you know, how did everything go with this project? You know, was there any like key metrics or analytics that you can share with me? You know, like maybe the project, you know, helped them land uh, $60 million in funding. That happened to a client of mine uh, about six months to a year ago. So it's like those types of metrics are very important and they're great to include in case studies. But by going ahead and, you know, having that uh, template set up where I can just go and punch in all these things. And then when it comes time for actually putting together a new case study on my website, I can just go back to this, grab that information, plug it in and we're good to go. Uh, but the other two thing is, you know, thinking about becoming somewhat of a thought leader. Now, let me just add a caveat there. I am not talking about becoming a fake freelance guru. Do not do that. Do not become one of those people. I'm talking about, you know, becoming a thought leader for the client facing side of it. You know, by sharing your expertise, the things that you have learned, you know, working with clients and whether it's clients you are going to be talking to directly or past clients or whatever it is, previous jobs, um, it's very important that you share those expertise with others. Part of the reason why in my uh, new client questionnaires that I send to every client it, that I, I ask, you know, what are some of your pain points that you're currently experiencing is because a lot of times clients have those exact same pain points. And so I am slowly collecting a list of all of these pain points that are client facing, not freelancer facing, not designer facing, client facing that I can then go and write blog posts about. I can create YouTube content for. I can, you know, write up uh, playbooks or uh, other documents that I can then share with clients that will bring them value and show them of the value that I can provide. So it's very important to, to become, you know, kind of a thought leader in, uh, in the client-facing space. And you don't have to do it necessarily super openly. You know, I am an expert in everything to do with marketing for SaaS companies. That's not what I'm saying. You know, this can just be, you know, being a thought leader directly one-on-one -on -one with clients, you know, as you go or, you know, sharing your thoughts in blog content that you have on your website. So, wow, like what a journey, you know, this whole episode has been that we've taken today. Diving into the intricate trick is wow i am horrible words yes we are keeping this into this episode because this is funny diving into the intricacies intricacies there we go diving into the intricacy you get the word i feel like you guys get the word of uh evolving from a freelancer into a true design partner 
you know, for your clients. So we've tackled the mindset shifts, you know, discussed the nitty gritty uh, of establishing mutual respect and transparency. And all of that is very important in, in basically putting together and uh, putting yourself in the right uh, frame of mind, right, you know, stance to becoming a client partner or becoming your client's partner. You know, if you ever are on the fence about how important client relationships are to growing your freelancing business, I hope today's episode has kind of like tipped the scales into you focusing on that, you know, and so I want to leave you with this, you know, being a partner is not a label. It's an ongoing commitment. It's an ongoing relationship with your clients. You know, it's a commitment to understand your clients, to align with their goals and use your skills to solve their most pressing problems. It's not a one-time effort, but a consistent process of engagement, improvement, and evolution. You know, trust me, it's, it's a win-win situation. You know, your clients get more value and you get the kind of rewarding, long-lasting relationships that can, that can sustain and grow your business. You know, it's not just about doing more. It's about being more. Being more is very, very important. First off, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to sharing more of these podcast episodes with you in the near future. This podcast was written and directed by me, Rocky Rourke, with special thanks to our brand new podcast editor, Deanna Chapman, for all of her help on this episode and on future episodes. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast or check out some of the previous write-ups and episodes that we put out, you can definitely check us out at bluecyclops.co, that's B-L-U-E-C-Y-C-L-O-P-S dot co forward slash podcast. And please remember to hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you get your podcasting fix, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is please hit that subscribe button. I look forward to sharing more of these podcasts with all of you in the near future. And if you ever have any questions about today's episode, past episodes, future episodes, or if you would like to give any ideas for what you would like to hear us talk about, please send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at Rocky Rourke, R-O-A-R-K. All right, that's it for me, everybody. Hope you guys have a great day. And as I've said before, always remember to stay passionate, stay positive, and stay creative. All right, that's it. Bye, everybody.